thank you for taking the time to listen to the latest message from City Church Preston. We hope that this message is relevant for your life. For more information about church life, please visit our website, citychurchpreston.com. Well, good morning, everyone. Really nice to be in Preston again. And what a missions trip that was, eh? To Iceland, where it's minus six. Next week, I'm going on a mission trip to Crete, where I'm expecting it to be about uh, 30-odd degrees. Who would you rather go with, Paul or me? I mean, be honest. <laughs> Dear me, that's absolutely great. First of all, a big thank you to this church for your prayers. Um, you never quite know what's going to happen, do you, in life? And on October the 15th of last year, uh, there was an area day, well, I don't know how many hundred would have been there, over in Doncaster, and I was speaking at it. I think there were some, about 15 people from this church that were there. And I ministered in the morning. And then it was my son. He was going to minister actually in the afternoon. And during that time, uh, I, I started to perspire like crazy on the front row. I couldn't hear my son, which probably was, I don't know whether that was a blessing or not. But uh, I, I couldn't hear. And I was just absolute. And I had tremendous pains come across my chest. And so at the end of that uh, message well they cut the message short and they got me to the hospital quickly and the the last I remember is being pushed in a wheelchair uh, by this nurse shouting heart attack victim heart attack victim and that was on October the 15th of last year now that's that's kind of the bad news the good news is it wasn't actually in the end a heart attack it did take a number of weeks to to find out what was what and since then I've had dozens and dozens of tests I've had Every orifice entered into one way or another. It's gone down, it's gone... Well, we won't go there. I mean, it's just been everything. And um, uh, finally, they removed something from my stomach, actually. And that was uh, part of the cause of uh, the symptoms that I was having. And it's been quite a journey, actually. And it's only just now that I'm beginning to uh, get back to 100% health and fitness. But I do have to say, thank you for your prayers. A lot of you here were there at that meeting and then actually have been praying um, right throughout. And, and we really do appreciate that very, very much. It meant a great deal to know that people were praying. And so thank you very, very much. Actually, this has got nothing at all to do with my message. But let's be honest, even though we can be Christians, how many of you here ever worry? Anybody here ever worried about anything? Put your hand up, wave to me. Don't be, mm, okay, you see, I, I've now retired and uh, so I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to join the bowls club or something. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I've been married to a pensioner for quite a while, and now she's married to a pensioner. <laughs> and so I've been sorting out my office. I've given hundreds and hundreds of my books away to my son, and uh, he'll be colouring them in, I suppose, sometime over the next weeks. <laughs> but but I, <laughs> I came across this, and I thought, I've got to read this to the folk at Preston, just in case there's anybody here that ever worries. It says, why worry? There are only two things to worry about. Either you are well or you are sick. If you are well, then there's nothing to worry about. And if you are sick, there's only two things to worry about. Either you're going to get well or you're going to die. If you're going to get well, then there's nothing to worry about. And if you're going to die, there's only two things to worry about. Either you're going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. And if you're going to go to heaven, 
that there's nothing to worry about. And if you're going to go to hell, well, why worry? It's too late at any rate. I mean, in other words, don't worry. I believe there's a God in control. And although actually we, we don't always know what's going to happen, we don't know whether we're going to be sitting on the front row and suddenly get pains and have to be rusted in we don't know what's going to happen, we do know who's in total control. Now, what I want to do this morning is share with you what I would call a life message. I suppose when you've been involved in pastoring and leading churches and things over the course of some, uh, well... 45 years, there are probably about three or four or five at the most, I suppose, what I would call life messages. Messages that you carry with you, messages that help to make you who you are. And I, I wanted to do that today because I believe there's a prophetic element in what I'm going to share. Uh, I'm going to be right brave here and tell you right at the start, I believe there's a prophetic element in it for Paul and for Jackie. They didn't know I was going to say that, but I'm going to tell you. I believe there's a prophetic element in it for you corporately as a church. And I really want to talk about success. Now you say, John, what on earth? What, what's this got to do with the Bible? What are you talking about success? And who are you to talk about success? You are looking at a very, very successful person. You say, what, what do you mean? Well... I've been married for 44 years to a wonderful woman. And actually, we're enjoying life as much today as when we were caught in all those years ago. That's pretty successful. I, I, I want to tell you, I've got three children, two of which are really serving the Lord. One is a pastor. One is uh, uh, involved in church heavily. Uh, and the other is working through her salvation with a lovely family themselves and doing well. And best of all, my three kids love me and their mom. Well, I can understand that one, but they love me. And we have a wonderful relationship. In fact, there's hardly anybody else that I'd rather be with than with my kids. That's pretty successful. They've got between them six children. So I've got six grandkids. Believe it or not, they call me Popsy and they love being with Popsy. I beat them up. I throw them around. I'm thrilled to see them come. I'm even thrilled more sometimes when I see them go. But to have six grandkids who all love you is pretty successful. We live in a home. It's not a posh home. It's a mid-terraced home, but it's rather nice. And it's all paid for. So we live in a debt-free home. Uh, we have two cars. I have a car and Andrea has a car. And we have no debt whatsoever. I think that's pretty successful. I've traveled the globe. I haven't been to Iceland as yet, although I have, well I have actually. It's, it's, it's just down the road near Sainsbury's where I live. But, uh, so I've been to Iceland as well. But I've traveled the world. I've preached to congregations of tens, if not, no, probably hundreds of thousands of people. I've pastored churches of five and I've pastored churches of 5,000. And over the last eight years, I've had a great privilege and a great delight of seeking to be uh, someone that leads Assemblies of God forward in the last eight years and enjoyed every minute of it. And, and, and really, I think that's pretty successful. Actually, I have to say, best of all, is that I'm as 
much in love with the Lord Jesus Christ today and enjoying serving him as ever I've been in ever in my life, I think that's pretty successful. So I'm speaking out of something that is successful. But hang on a minute, there's something better than this. Because if I talked about my success, then so what? I've got some great news for you. Although I want you to enjoy success, my God wants you to enjoy his success even more than what I would want. If God be for us, then who can be against us? And the Bible makes it absolutely clear time and time and time again that God actually wants you to enjoy his success in your life. The Bible tells us in Psalm 20 and verse 4 that he will give you the desires of your heart and make all of your plans succeed. God's for you. The Bible tells me in Genesis chapter 39 and verse 23 that the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in everything that he did. God is for you. The Bible tells me in 1 Chronicles 22 and 13 that if you're careful to observe the decrees and the laws that the Lord gave to Moses, you will have success. See, what I'm talking about this morning is actually a life that can be lived enjoying and knowing God's success and blessing in our lives. Now, here's the big question before we can go anywhere. I've got to ask you a question, and there's got to be a response from every one of you. You've either got to put your hand up, or you've got to keep your hand down. It's entirely up to you. But I want to ask you this question. Who this morning would want to enjoy God's success in their lives more than ever before from today onwards? How many of you want that? Put your hands up. Henry, you haven't got your hand up. Don't you want it? Oh, dear me. Oh, put your hands down. That's an interesting response from you. Probably because you know the way that I was thinking, and I'm a crafty preacher. <laughs> because I got you to do what I wanted you to do. I said, I, I, I didn't say how many of you want success. That's what you heard. I said, how many of you want God's success in your life more today than ever before? And the trouble is, that God's success is totally different from what I was talking about when I told you about my success. You see, the fact is that things can sometimes go wrong when you can still be in the center of the will of God. And what we tend to do, we tend to think of success as being fame and fortune. So as you come up the stairs and you see Tom Finney, or you see on the side wall even a greater name, Bill Shankly, Oh dear. Or, or you, you watch the TV and you see the stars come on and they've got their fame and they've got their fortune and we say, oh, they're successful. Or perhaps it is that we have a big bank balance and we think that money and fortune is a sign of success. Well, it can be, but it's not, it's not God's success. And I asked you, how many of you here want to put up your hand if you want God's success in your life? Now, I know that anne does want that, but she also knew, because this is a life message, which way I was going to take it. I think that to enjoy God's success is not something instantaneous. It's a journey. It's a lifelong journey. 
And as we look into the Bible, we find one man who knew God's success that I'm just going to draw a few things from and then I'm going to pray for you and there'll be a prophetic element within it. Outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest apostle that has probably ever lived outside of Jesus is the Apostle Paul. And in Acts chapter 27, we begin to see a journey that Paul was to make that was to end in tremendous success. It, it, it actually ended up with Christians being encouraged and unbelievers crying out, what must we do to be saved? And it ended up in tremendous success, this journey that the Apostle Paul went on. And we're going to have a look at that and just draw a few life lessons from it. Father, help me to communicate that, that we'll speak deep into our spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 27 and verse 1, it says this. And when it was decided, oh, that's the key. Right at the start, when it was decided, life is a matter of choices. Everything is a matter of decisions that we take. You made a choice and a decision to come here this morning. I think it was a good decision. You decided what clothes you were going to put on. You make your choice as to where you're going to go tomorrow. And decisions can sometimes be very, very significant. The day that Andrine said yes to me when I asked her to marry me, Actually, I'm telling a lie there. I forgot it was you that asked me to marry you, wasn't it? The day that I said yes <laughs> and, and, and made that decision that we would get, that was a pretty significant decision. Some decisions that we make are highly significant. Not so significant this morning that I would get up and put a, a suit on or, or, or put this shirt on. Uh, but they were decisions that we made. Here is a decision. It was decided, it says here, that we would set sail... Italy. The Apostle Paul makes a decision and he says, I am going to go to Italy. Not a bad place to go to. Italy. I like it when people make decisions. I, I got you to put your hand up earlier. Well, kind of got you. You did it, but I led you that way. But actually, I'm going to tell you something. It's a good thing to make decisions whereby you say, well, I want to know God's success in my life. The greatest decision that ever we can make is the day that we decide to invite Christ into our lives. How many of you can remember that day? Oh, what a day that was. I, I remember it. For me, it was the 25th of March, 1966. The last year England won the World Cup. Dear me, it was a long, long time ago. But what a decision it was. In an upper room in a little church, someone told me, just like we heard about the little boy telling that little girl, did she want to become a Christian? Someone asked me whether I wanted to become a Christian. And at that moment, I remember thinking about it. I can remember the thought process, and I decided to follow Jesus. Know the song? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. It's a great decision to make. And if you're here this morning and have not made that decision, then that's a great one to do. To say, Christ, come into my life. Amazingly, Andrine's mum, she went all through her life deciding to reject Jesus. Saying, oh, I can't become a Christian. And you know what she said? I can't become a Christian because I smoke. What a, what a weird thing. 
Smoking doesn't stop you getting to heaven. It probably gets you there a bit quicker, but it doesn't stop you getting there. And then, just a few days before she died, she decided to invite Christ into her life. She told the whole family, and although it was quite late on in her life, she made the most important decision of all. If there's anybody here that hasn't made that decision, then don't allow anything at all to rob you of saying, I am deciding to give my life to Christ. I'm going to go on a journey. For those of you that are Christians, you need to make the decision. For Paul, it was to go to Italy. For you this morning, I want you to decide to say, God, I want your success on my life like never, ever before. It's a great thing to make a decision. And so they decided, they set sail to Italy, and then they say in verse 2, and so we put to sea. We set out on the journey. Now, many of you are Christians here, and many of you can remember when you decided to ask Christ into your life. And what really happens is, you set sail. I think it's great becoming a Christian. Because Everything seems wonderful when you set sail. You think it's going to be a great life, this. Boy, oh boy. And so you come and you sing the songs and you lift your hands in the air and then you get a bit liberated and you might do a little dance if you're like me and you get all excited. With, and aren't the people lovely at church? Oh, she's lovely. Mrs. Mrs. Smith, she's one of the nicest ladies I've ever known. Mr. Jones, he's beautiful. I mean, what? Yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful when you set sail. It's wonderful, this life of becoming a Christian and making the decision to know God's success. And so we put to sea, and, uh, and then in verse 4, it says, We sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. What's this all about? Contrary winds? Uh, becoming a Christian is wonderful. Serving the Lord Jesus, making the decision. Winds that are contrary. And suddenly, what happens is, and we've got to be honest with this. So many people there that are not honest enough to, to, to realize the situation. But suddenly we find out that actually, Mrs. Jones has got some warts. And so has Mrs. Smith. <laughs> you know, the, 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 these Christians... Well, let's just talk, just, just you and me. I mean, there are some Christians that aren't particularly nice. There's certainly some Christians I wouldn't want to go on a mission strip with, <laughs> share a bedroom with. <laughs> Dear me, sleeping on the floor. I, I, I mean, I didn't think he'd say that, and I didn't think they'd do that, and, and suddenly the winds are a little bit contrary. Uh, and, and we find that there's winds that come against us, they can be the winds of opposition. I remember when I first gave my life to the Lord, my mum and dad were thrilled. Uh, and, and then after a while, I, I said, you know, I really, I want to go to Bible college and I want to I be a pastor. And suddenly they said, oh, son, oh, don't you want to be an engineer like your dad? Don't you, you know, and, and suddenly, and hmm, they, they weren't quite so, so uh, well, supportive. And then there's that personality clash with brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so and, -so and and then there's, then there's some failure. You let the Lord down. You, I mean, you didn't want to, but it's happened. And suddenly you realize, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite what I ought to be either. 
and the winds start to come against us. Hmm. We didn't think about that when we made the decision. And when you put your hand up and say, I want God's success, you didn't think that the preacher would be saying, hang on a minute, great, great, great. But did you realize there could be some contrary winds just on the journey? The Bible then says that the winds were so contrary that we began to sail slowly. And then there were some difficulties. Boy, oh boy, what on earth is this all about now? Being a Christian and knowing God's success. I, I, I told you I've got a lovely wife, I've got kids, I've got her. Hmm. It's amazing how many people want what I've got, but they don't know the journey that I've been on to get what I've got. <laughs> and so here it is. The kids today, very often, they want so much, but they don't realize that there's a whole journey involved in getting some of those things. There's difficulties until finally it says, oh, the apostle Paul is on this boat journey and he, he arrives at a place called Fair Havens. Say Fair Havens. It's, it's even got a nice ring to it, hasn't it? I mean, it sounds nicer than Iceland. Fair, sounds more like Crete, to be honest. I mean, fair havens. Suddenly, into my mind's eye, I can picture the Apostle Paul arriving after all these winds coming against him and the difficulties that he arrives at fair haven. There's hula hoop girls there. <laughs> Coconuts drop off the trees and become bounty bars. The spritzers are lovely there. I'm fair hyphen. And, and suddenly, well, Fairhaven's nice. I, as a Christian, I'm going to tell you something. I like Fairhaven. Fairhaven, it symbolizes to me the place of rest. The place of when everything's going kind of well. And uh, you have those seasons in your life, don't you, where the Holy Spirit just whoo, seems to blow his blessing on you. And, you know, the washing machine doesn't break down. You don't trip over the cat. The wife, she does give you a kiss in the morning, you know. And, 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 and you go on a car journey and you're not told off for driving too fast. I'm still waiting for that one, to be absolutely honest. But Fairhaven, great place to be. When God just blesses the gifts of the Spirit in operation, wonderful gift of the Spirit being in operation, the prophetic word about the rainbow this morning, I commend you for it. Absolutely tremendous. Oh, I, I like Fairhaven. <laughs> How many of you like Fairhaven? You can put your hand up now if you do, because this isn't a trick. I'm telling you, I like Fairhaven. Do you? <laughs> yeah, you're scared to put your hand up, aren't you, some of you? Well, I like it at any rate. <laughs> There's a problem, though, with Fairhaven. That isn't where Paul set out for. He set out to go to Italy. Fairhaven wasn't Italy. And when we make a decision to enjoy God's success, that means that we're actually looking at an end objective of fulfilling the plans and purposes of God in our lives, no matter what. Sometimes it is that we... We get to a point and we say, well, this is it. I've had enough now. This will suit me. 
this this last this last six months uh, has been the most difficult that I've ever had in my life. I told you all the successful things, but the last six months has been uh, difficult in many many ways, particularly mentally, particularly in my thought life, particularly emotionally. Um, I have to tell you that uh, I, I went for several months where I wouldn't speak to anybody or see anybody in the last six months. Um, I thought I'd never, ever speak again. Um, I, I locked myself away uh, and emotionally went through all kinds of strange things and, and still am battling with certain, certain aspects of, of thought life and what have you. Hmm. So to actually take a breather actually get off the treadmill because I haven't been leading Assemblies of God, although it's only within the last five or six weeks that I've resigned uh, two, two months early. I actually haven't been leading for about six months. It's, it's been kind of, I have to say, a bit kind of nice, just not knowing some stuff and, and just taking a breather. Mm. But that isn't what we're called to. Ultimately, we're called to push in to where God wants us to be. And so the Apostle Paul says, okay, I've enjoyed fair havens, but I'm going to set sail again. And some of you need to do that. You need to say, okay, I've had my breather. Uh, it hasn't quite gone quite as I thought. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm going to press on again, and I'm going to keep going, just like we heard earlier on. And so you keep going, and you know what the Bible says then? Oh, the, 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 there's a south wind that blows, and, and then you think you've obtained what you were going for. Again, pretty good. Now the wind's blowing the sails and we're getting going again and we're getting up and we're moving forward and God's blessing us and, uh, hey, I think, we, I think we're there now. I think we're there. But of course, we're not there because we set out to go to Italy. We set out to do some. We set out to know and enjoy God's success. So we're not there, but, but we think we're there. Now, you have to understand with the Bible that there are some cults that cut out verses and throw them away, but we can't do that. The whole of the word of God is inspired. And sometimes I wish it wasn't because there's some verses in the Bible that I don't like. I'm going to read one to you. It's in that same chapter, and it says this, that there's a tempestuous headwind so that it, we can't even head into the wind. It's called... Eurocyclone. It's actually another way puts like this that that at this part of Paul's journey, there's a hurricane that begins to blow. We're not we're not talking about an adverse wind here. We're not talking about something blowing us off course. We're talking about something stopping us in our tracks, turning us around, pushing us back, and it cannot be defeated. It's a hurricane. A hurricane, so much so that they think they're going to lose their lives, such is the force of the wind. Hmm. There are things that happen in life that I, I've got no answer for as a Christian preacher and minister. I've got, I've got, I've got no answer for the parents who lose a child 
or perhaps can't have children. I've got no answer for a cancer that comes and robs a son that rings up from prison, a daughter that falls pregnant out of wedlock. I've got no answer for a son or a daughter that shoves a needle into their arm. I've got no answer for the bankruptcy that comes, the breakdown in the friendship or the marriage. I've got no answer for hurricanes. And although you won't like this preaching, in order to enjoy God's success, we don't only have to face adverse winds, but at times we have to face hurricanes. Probably two or three times in my life, that's all. One of them having been the last six months. Where the wind is so strong, where the situation and the circumstance is so tough, where you can still pray but you get no answers, and the very people that you think are your closest friends perhaps desert you. I don't know. I don't know what your hurricane is. Phone call from the doctor. I don't know. I do know this. That hurricanes are sent and they can so blow too many people off course that we have to be very, very careful. Do you know what you have to do when you encounter a hurricane? You have to get back to the basics and start throwing excess cargo overboard. That's what happened with the Apostle Paul. That's what happened in this situation whereby they are absolutely at the end of themselves. It says that they took the excess cargo and they threw it overboard. What's excess cargo? It's anything that we take on in the course of our lives that isn't absolutely essential. It could be anything at all. It can be a friendship. It, it, it can be a hobby. It, it can be an attitude. It, it, it can be a thousand and one things. I don't know what your excess cargo is, but what I do know is that, again, over this last, I'm speaking out of the experience, it's really just thrown me back to the place of saying, well, what really counts for me? What's really important? What, 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 what are the essentials? Do I need to get back to my first love? Do, do, I, do I need to throw aside this, that, and the other? <laughs> See, you can't fight a hurricane. You just have to be still. And keep your eyes on what? On God's success for your life. Because there's a little phrase in the Bible, and it goes like this. And it came to pass that, and that's what hurricanes do. They come, but they come to pass. There's only a time limit on them. <laughs> they're, just, they're, they're, they're just a dot in, in the, the vastness of the journey of life and the things that God has got for us. Oh, hurricanes, I don't like them. But you can't ignore them. In fact, as we begin to draw it to a bit of a close because of time and I want to pray for you I have to tell you that as you read this account in Acts chapter 26 you'll find that after they've got rid of the excess cargo they still think they're going to die 
they, they, they give up all hope, but then they land again, and then they go a little bit further, and, and then they, oh, they run aground on some rocks, and then it's night time, and they wish it was day. Then they get themselves encouraged a little bit, and uh, and then they don't recognize the land, and then the ship runs aground again, and then there's the violence of the waves, and, uh, and then you get in the picture. This journey of giving our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's full of blessing, but there's also some buffetings. It, it, it's full of the positivity of knowing that God is for you, but it's also a little bit of a battle because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly realm. I told you that there was one verse I didn't like, and that's all to do with the hurricane. Now, there's one verse that I absolutely love. It's in the following chapter, chapter 28. And it says this, that in verse 14, and so we arrived in Rome. Do you know where Rome is? Italy. After all of the adverse winds, after all of the, the things that happened on this journey, after even the hurricane trying to destroy him, they arrive in, hallelujah, they arrive in Rome. And that's where we read the wonderful news that when you look at it, you find that the believers, they were encouraged. You find that some of the unsaved, they called out to be saved and that God was glorified. And that's success when God is glorified. How many of you want God's success in your life? Then I'm going to tell you what it involves is a journey. A journey that I can't possibly tell you all that it involves apart from this. I know it involves some fair haven. I know it enjoys some blessing. But I also, in, also understand that sometimes there's the hurricanes. And there's the sometimes there's the... I guarantee it. I don't know, Paul and Jackie, your full journey. I do know this. There must have been times when you're leading a church, you think, you think to yourself, oh God, 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 keep the vision. Keep looking. That that God has placed in your heart, don't let anybody dilute it. Don't let anybody put it down. Why? Because that's what you're called to do, to push in to all that God has got. Don't give up on your ministry. Mario, let me tell you, don't give up on your ministry. The call of God that was on you is still on you today, no matter what. There, 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 there's, there's a journey that we have to go on. There's a, there's a there's a hurricane perhaps to be faced. But let me tell you, there is a God that should be glorified. And he's glorified, hallelujah, when we get to that place of pushing into all that God has got. Oh, it's a life message. It's a life message. I just believe if God before us, who can be against us? I just believe I am a child of God. I just believe that as a 14-year-old, when I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, that I made a decision. And that decision, at times I've thought to myself, well, it doesn't seem like this is right. Did I make... Oh, but let me tell you, it's right. And I'm determined. I'm determined to push into all that God's got for me. Hallelujah. Let me ask you the question again. How many of you want God's success? Uh, you see, now it's a different matter. Now it isn't just a case of putting up your hand. Now you weigh it up and you say, oh, Lord, oh, dear, dear, dear. or perhaps it is that you say, oh, God, will you give me your grace? Will you give me your love? Will you give me your strength? Will you give me your empowering? I'm prepared to get rid of excess cargo, but I'm going to keep my eye on the goal because I have decided to follow Jesus. And there is no turning back. 
There is no turning back. Bow your heads in a word of prayer with me, will you please? Everyone bow in prayer right now. I'd like to pray for people. I'd like to pray for those of you that say, John, something of this has come to me prophetically that I realize that I'm on this journey afresh and I'm deciding today to push into all that God's got for me. Oh, will you just pray for me? I'm making that decision. I'm not putting up my hand right now, but I'm going to stand and say, John, pray for me because I want all that God has got for me and I want God's success. Stand if God has spoken to you right now, will you please? All over this place people are beginning to just to stand up and you're saying John oh, this is for me I'm, I, I want you to pray for me we're so glad that you've been able to listen to this message and by connecting in this way we consider you part of our faith community if you'd like to keep up to date with all of our upcoming events submit a request for prayer or find out more about Jesus Christ what it means to follow him, then head over to our website, citychurchpreston.com.